millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Podcast Nick. Uh, this episode is just the result of some rejiggering and reshuffling of uh, podcasts, I guess. There was a podcast called Africa, A History, for which I simply just didn't have enough time for great ideas and big plans and then just uh, too much else going on. So this episode is um, a two-in-one. I did an episode on Mbunti Efe Pygmies and the Kung San, like the Bushmen in uh, Botswana, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I don't even know. <laughs> Anyways, it's a defunct podcast and uh, I'm super curious about you know the various peoples of the world and uh, i think these are these are some of the two most fascinating because they've just kind of been doing their thing for for the longest maybe period in in human history so anyways pygmies and bushmen there you go welcome to africa a history Good evening. I'm Travis Dow from podcastnick.com, also an Agora Podcast Network member and a member of the Dark Myths Collective. Imagine, if you will, a forest where it's generally hot, 31 degrees, uh, that's 88 Fahrenheit on average, and it's crazy humid. In fact, it's so wet and rains so much, it's a rainforest. If that sounds miserable to you, well... Ask the locals what they think. Because generally, at least when left alone, and this is not my opinion, they are happy. The Efe, part of the Mbunti, for instance, also code the Bambunti, called the Ituri Rainforest their home. This episode, I get to talk about something I've been fascinated about ever since I really first heard of them. Pygmies. Okay, now hold on there, my dear social justice warrior. Before the emails pour in, pygmy, well, you might think it's a derogatory term because it has been used as one, but you'd be wrong, so we'll just move right along. The term is much older than Europeans' discovery of the Efe or Mbunti, that's for sure. It comes from ancient Greece, and all the way through the Middle Ages, they were basically referring to mythological creatures. It comes from the Greek word for fist, as in beings that are not bigger than one. The thing is, it's used to describe people that are uh, miniature of stature. 
Short folk, like the average measured height of the F.A. is 137 centimeters. For women, men being about 5 centimeters taller. Well, that's less than 5 feet for the uh, metrically challenged. And the other thing is, there is no other term to encompass all peoples of that size. So pygmy is the term we get. Fun fact, because of the title of this episode, I'm going to get hate mails before people even listen. Sigh. Anyways, through DNA analysis, the F.A. are considered to be one of the oldest groups of people on Earth. Second oldest only, in fact, after the Khoisan, who you are now familiar with from a previous episode. And bone-headed harpoons, for example, used for spearing catfish, are basically unchanged from archaeological finds that are 90,000 years old. So they're not just genetically an ancient people, but also culturally. And again, they seem so happy. The forest simply provides for them. They don't need to provide for much other than build simple leaf huts to escape the rain and heat. And they had it all figured out for at least 90,000 years. Their culture is neat. Some of the broader pygmy groups have very forest-specific practices. Like when a girl reaches a certain age, her feet cannot touch the ground for months, three months, six months, a year, while the girl is wrapped in leaves to protect from the sun. And she should eat a lot of palm oil and meat to fatten up. And apparently they have a lot of honey-related words and obviously a large botanical vocabulary. They hunt monkeys with poison spears and arrows, which takes a noteworthy amount of skill. They ambush antelope from trees, and even bigger game like forest buffalo and elephants, sometimes employing dogs. Women hunt. It's neat to see. They make sounds and wave branches to chase animals into nets uh, or set traps. Watching them climb trees is awe-inspiring. And me with a thing against heights, even more so. Just neat, happy people. My anthropology professor in college really emphasized this. I, I think she was talking about a group in Cameroon, but uh, whatevs. And I'm talking more about folks in the Congo. Um, but the whole community might share in raising the children. Women who are not the mother might nurse an infant. It's just, just really interesting people which basically makes everything else in this episode just that much more sad. The pygmies aren't just found in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, but in rainforests throughout Central Africa around that latitude. As far west as Cameroon, um, Cameroon is in the armpit of Africa. And now I said when left alone, they were happy. The, the problem is no one seems to want to leave them alone. Not many pygmies are still nomadic and free in the forest. Instead, the vast majority live near Bantu villages. In fact, the forests themselves are being replaced by things like palm oil farms, one of the world's great evils. Please don't buy soap made with palm oil, dear listeners. In case of the Efe, who speak Lese, the same language as their neighbors, they relatively seem to have coexisted for, well, ever. They share similar legends and mythology, where even in their legends there are short and tall people. Same for the Lesse. But other pygmy groups have had a tougher time. Some have been encouraged, quote-unquote, I say politely, uh, to start farming or to move out of nature preserves. 
And this happy culture, sometimes corrupted by agricultural peoples working for wages to buy clothes and beer, it takes a toll on the culture. But, you know, change is inevitable. But it's always a shame when a 90,000-year-old culture starts to really wane. Oh, and it's not just banana beer that corrupts. No, for The Secret Cabinet, I did a guest episode on Odabenga, a Mbunti pygmy rescued from slave traders, only to then be kept in the Bronx Zoo. That's right, we kept one of these people in a zoo in New York. But I already told that story. Anyways, that did happen like a century ago. So, different times and all. Um, what was not that long ago was 2003 when Mbunti reported acts of genocide against them in the Congo Civil War, which had just officially ended then. Genocide means something very specific, folks. And it sucks. Not just genocide, but the victims were sometimes eaten, as if they were animals. A group known as Les Effacures, the Erasers, wanted to clear the land, and the Mbunti to make room for mines. Both sides of the Civil War treated the Mbunti as less than human, even that eating them gave them sort of magic powers, according to the BBC. The UN Security Council was asked to see cannibalism as a crime against humanity and an act of genocide in this case, since only Mbunti were eaten. They were also targeted in the Rwanda genocide 10 years earlier. But that's a different story. And there aren't nearly as many pygmies in Rwanda today and declining. Even today, pygmies live as slaves to Bantu slaveholders. Bantu is a different ethnicity, we'll get there. Even if they're lucky, they get paid in cigarettes, used clothes, but also sometimes no payment at all, or just a piece of cloth. Children are forced to work, and often die of malnutrition. One in three die before the age of five, according to UNICEF. A law to protect the pygmies in the Congo was not passed at least in uh, 2013. And alcoholism is a problem. Okay, now that's actually all the bleakness I can take, so we'll revisit both the Congo, the Bantu, and even Pygmies again. If you want to feel a sense of revenge for the short, happy forest people, go read Chuck Palahniuk's book Pygmy. That's the guy that wrote Fight Club. No, actually, just kidding. That is not a real recommendation. I mean, I loved that book, but oh boy, ah, here come the emails. I better just go. There are many documentaries about them on YouTube, for instance, and I was going to recommend one by the Discovery Channel, but right away they say things like, they live under the leaves like elves and goblins. And you know what? The Bantu consider them subhuman, either with magical properties or cursed. So no, they live under the leaves like human beings. Human beings have been living in the forest far longer than we have been cutting down forests to grow crops. And now that we're finally on our way to global catastrophe through deforestation, which causes, which is a factor in global warming, we should be looking up to these short people. Not as something exotic, but as master teachers of keepers of soon-to-be lost knowledge on how to live more sustainably. Anyways, I'm Travis Dow, and you can find many more history podcasts on podcastnick.com and even more shows from fellow history podcasters in the Agora Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Africa, a history. Good evening. I'm Travis Dow from podcastnick.com. Have y'all ever seen The Gods Must Be Crazy? This is a great way to start a podcast on Africa, right? Um, it's a movie, and it's, it's an 80s classic, where a Coca-Cola bottle is littered from an airplane and is then discovered by a tribe of loincloth-wearing hunter-gatherers and is seen as a magic gift from the gods. That's a pretty culturally insensitive way to depict the sun, or the kung, more specifically fighting over a piece of garbage. At least if you've seen the movie, you do know what the sun looked like several decades before the 1980s. By the 80s, they wore t-shirts and jeans mostly, but still, not all. And anyway, none of that is my point, I just needed to give you a reference. In the movie, there's a little girl, a minor character. But when this girl grew up, in, in real life, not the movie, she wrote a book. A book I was assigned to read in college. And a fascinating read. If you've not seen the movie, that's fine. You're probably too young, and I hate you for that, but, but we'll move on anyways. The movie depicts the Bushmen, or San, specifically the Kung. Yes, their language includes clicky noises, like and and two more I'll get to later. In the movie, they are practically naked except for a loincloth. The book clarifies that they look that way for the movie and took off their shorts and shirts for production. And if you think Bushman is offensive, that's fine. San is also a derogatory term that means foragers, like picking up stuff from the ground in a, in a derogatory way. And that name was given to them by their agricultural and goat herding neighbors. So go ahead and pick your lesser evil. The working group of indigenous minorities in South Southern Africa, which I guess you could abbreviate to WIMSA, 
who decides these things, said San is fine. But the individual Bushmen nations, like Kung, disagree. Anyways, you might hear Twa or Batwa. There are other peoples that are grouped in under the San who speak Khoisan languages. Anyways, now that I've tried to not offend anyone, uh, why don't we get right to it? They are an old people. 2009 found the San were among the five populations with the highest measured level of genetic diversity. They are one of 14 known ancestral population clusters. That just means they go back so far that their language and culture and genes kind of tie together. And Khoisan languages, they're all within sub-Saharan Africa. And now how good is your geography? Think um, South Central, so Angola and then inland, the northern part of South Africa, most of Botswana, and a little bit into Zimbabwe, etc. What it is not is a Bantu language, and we'll get to that in future episodes. But together, the two groups that speak these languages are the Khoikhoi and the San, hence Khoi San. Okay, now before the Bantu migration, and again, we'll get to that in a different episode, the Khoisan languages spread across sub-Saharan Africa, especially the south and east. And there are some, still some members of this language family who speak it in the Great Rift Valley in Tanzania, just a little tiny area, really. And Kung specifically is only spoken by some 15,000 people. But I want to talk about the people themselves. Back in college, I read about their being raised in cohorts, something I'll definitely bring up again, when probably when I talk about the Maasai. But basically, an age group from the village grows up together like siblings. Traditionally, the village would act as an extended family, but uh, pretty close-knit. Gift-giving is central. When one person comes back from a successful hunt, most of it is given away. The gift economy ensures that the sick are taken care of, and everyone is pretty egalitarian. So, like, selfishness is punished. You can get ostracized for keeping more than your share, even if it's, it was your hunt. And because they live in a very arid climate, they have really neat ways of finding water. They dig what are called sip wells, where they basically scrape a deep hole to where the sand is damp, and then they insert a long, hollow grass stem. So, you know, like, think of a straw. And then you take an empty ostrich egg as a container, and you basically drink, you know, not drink, but you suck the water from the sand, and then through another straw into the ostrich egg. And you're able to get water this way. And it's kind of like siphoning gas, I guess, in a way. But no, it's not. It's, it's different. Anyways, um, they, they have an interesting nutrition. They eat what the seasons provide, a lot of insects, like grasshoppers and beetles. And they hunt, using a certain beetle larva for poison. They poison the arrow tips and spears. And as you may have guessed, they don't all do that in the 21st century anymore. Because times, well, they are a something-something. This way of life is ancient. Tools identical to modern ones have been found in the region from 44,000 years ago. One analysis suggests that these groups of people became isolated from other humans a hundred thousand years ago, and only later kind of mixed back together. And these people, so just, just the Khoisan, including uh, the ones in Tanzania, are the most genetically diverse of any living humans. They are an ancient, ancient people. Diverse means old, you know, because we evolve at a rate that we try to measure, so diverse means more mutations, means really old. The first people into Botswana, in fact. 
Now, historically speaking, we didn't think of old and unchanging as a good thing. The Bantu cattle herders and later Europeans would think of them differently, as primitives. Which is a curse word on this show, as you might suspect, but the point is their lifestyle was severely hurt during colonialization. And even since independence, they have lost much land from other agro-pastoralist peoples. Both Europeans and the newly independent governments preferred the Bantu-speaking Tswana, and sometimes didn't even want them over Africa's wildlife. They got kicked out of the Central Kalahari Game Reserve, for instance, after it was established in 1961. Now, had they stayed hunter-gatherers, they would have probably been okay, but there are also government pressure for them to settle down, farm, and raise cattle instead, which was hard to maintain in a game reserve. And this was not just done harmlessly, this was not a suggestion that they do. The Guardian in 2014 wrote that this effectively ended thousands, actually tens of thousands, of years of San culture. Now, still within recent years, the fight continues among allegations by human rights groups that they are being illegally moved, unconstitutionally even, and being coerced. The local governments have tried to rectify this. The Sun have won court rulings. Slowly but surely, there's, there's reason for optimism, but their way of life is dying. And their languages, are many of them already extinct, are being lost which is truly a loss to humanity, because you see, one genetic study found that the San, to be again the earliest branch off of the main Homo sapien branch, including all the folk left in Africa that populated the whole rest of the world. So the San are, that, that's the point I'm trying to make here, they're a truly ancient people. They are the most ancient people that we, can, that we still have today. Not to mention, 200-year-old cave paintings are identical to 14,000-year-old cave paintings. So we can actually go and ask them of their meaning. Unlike in other parts of the world, like southern France and other places where there's cave paintings, where the tradition and meaning was just long gone. The San are links to the past, one that is disappearing forever. Even their own creator god left the earth because of all the trouble on earth. And, now this is, this is fascinating, pay attention. So one explanation for the cave paintings, by the way, they're dancing. They dance so much for so long that eventually you go into a trance. And this trance could be mirrored in the cave paintings. Which is crazy interesting in, for human mythology in general. Because when you dance in a rhythmic fashion until you start to see geometric shapes kind of like masculine if you've ever, uh, never mind. But that explains the spirals and dots and zigzags in the paintings. Later, you try to equate the shapes you saw to something familiar, like honeycombs or, you know, other patterns you see in nature. And if you keep on dancing, you start to really lose your sense of reality. You start to feel like you're falling down a tunnel, maybe rotating down a cave, kind of spiraling into the ground where there be monsters. Animals with meaning, not necessarily ones found in nature, but more like minotaurs or Egyptian gods or werewolf-type therianthropes. How interesting is that? And too bad it's all being lost, and with it a piece of all of our history. Oh, and before I get angry emails, yes, I barely scratched the surface. 
The book I mentioned is titled Nisa, The Life and Words of a Kung Woman. And she went into much more anthropological detail of how the cohorts grow up, what they learn, how their values and more details of their of their gift-giving culture, um, kind of how they stay you know, egalitarian and humble, marriage, family, divorce even, so on, the, the way their huts are built. Yeah, I mean, it was written with the help of an anthropologist. It's just crazy interesting. And I will circle back around to these kinds of things, and eventually you'll get a much better holistic picture, but not all in one episode. That's not the point. So, so go ahead and save your emails. My goal is just to make you curious, to want to learn more. So either you just learned something you never knew before, or you already knew this. So go ahead and go off and buy Nisa, The Life and Works of a Kung Woman. And I know some people are going to get all high and mighty. But Travis, they'll say, you didn't even mention what roots they foraged. That's right. And I'll come back to things like sip wells again. But the point is, I'm not going to put everything in here that I read. This will not and cannot be exhaustive. We're trying to talk about a whole continent here. So you're right. I didn't mention many, many things. So go off and do some reading yourself, because we're moving on. Really? Episode 2? I'm already mocking some listeners? I'm the worst. And now you're talking to yourself? But thank you for listening anyways to Africa, a history, a Dark Myths member, and also a member of the Agora Podcast Network. Again, I'm Travis Dow from podcastnick.com, where you can find my other half dozen or so history podcasts. If you have seen The Gods Must Be Crazy, you'll notice the clicking sounds in their language. There are four consonants that don't exist in any European language. One of them is written with an exclamation mark. So, kung is spelled exclamation mark, K-U-N-G, which makes Googling very difficult because you keep coming up with kung fu or some other things. But the exclamation mark, if you see that, is pronounced something like that. There's also a more of a sound, which I've seen spelled with a, with an asterisk, but Wikipedia tells me it's more like two exclamation marks. So I'm guessing there's different phonetic things for slight variations, which my ears probably don't even pick up. Anyways, there's also a super guttural sound like g, but much more so. G, I can't even do it. And there's like a really guttural K, kind of sounding like you're choking almost to, to my ears, like k, k. Yeah, so anyways, goodbye would be something like king ka. And before I butcher those sounds anymore, I better just sign off. Thanks again. And Africa history might actually still be a thing. I think uh, the person that came up with the name, I gave that name back. So eventually, if you go back to iTunes, I don't know, it might be a thing, just a different host in a very different format. In any case, uh, we're still cranking out more than ever. So why don't you check out podcastnick.com for more. Support us on Patreon. Check out podcastnickshop.com, all that good stuff. Check out podcastnick.com for everything we do and how to support us. And keep in touch and Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.